Hello and welcome to the Gap and Fries Movie Podcast. I'm Gavin. And I'm Ian. And welcome, listener. It has been a while. I wonder how many people have just had like this come up on their next podcast, on their podcast app. Because we, you remain subscribed even if there's no podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now it's just like they're falling asleep one night and all of a sudden they just hear our voices. Like it just pops up. <laughs> Who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel sorry for them. <laughs> so yeah, if you're a first-time listener, uh, we're a long-running movie, TV, cool stuff podcast. Mm-hmm. High energy, obviously. Very high energy. Very we, high energy. We, we, we get higher as we, uh, <laughs> as we, as we move along. Uh, we have a very, very inconsistent uh, schedule. Yes. When we first started, we were pretty good. We were. Yeah. When we even had, less had, people listened to us. We had nothing to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and now now we have a little bit more to do. And yeah, we're, we're pretty irregular. And uh, our apologies for that. For those of you who are still sticking around with us and still uh, listening to us, thank God you very bless, much. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. So it's, uh, it's been a full year. No, it hasn't. It's been July since we last recorded. No, I mean, but it's like it's, we're in the new year now. Oh, we're in so, the new so year. So it's been yeah. a full year. Like, uh, like 2022 is gone. We're almost at the end of the first month of 2023. So all the show ideas we had for last year are gone out the window. That's right. So we're not going to be talking about any uh, current releases. Well, we're going to be talking about one, one uh, current release that's uh, just come out on Netflix recently. Mm -hmm. We never really reviewed everything everywhere all at once. No. And so that's going to be the main film that we're talking about today, seeing as Oscar season is coming up and it appears to be the front runner. Mm -hmm. Also just... uh, yeah, I mean, I, it took me a while to, to watch it. Like, you watched it quite some time ago. I watched it when it came out. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, and that was partly because I just wasn't going to the cinema. Mm-hmm. And then I just, uh, when the movie was just getting hyped up all the time, I was, uh, that, 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 that kind of put me off watching it because every time a movie gets hyped up, I'm almost always disappointed. Yeah. Uh, but I was, you know, it was always on the back burner. It was always in the back of my mind. I was always looking forward to seeing it. I love Michelle Yeoh. Like, but, I mean, but for... But for um, are you just doing the review now? Are you just doing the review now? No, 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 no. no. no I, I, I love Michelle Yeoh, and I, I always think that the, the Daniels do in, uh, incredibly interesting work. They're mm-hmm. very, very visually inventive. Their music videos are sick. Um, turned down for what? Hmm? That was turned down for yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so that's what we're. That's the main movie that we're going to be talking about. Uh, but uh, on the way, we'll also talk about maybe a little bit about immortality. But we're going to start off with the bear. That's right. Which was on Hulu last year and came to Disney Plus. Right after I finished acquiring it other ways and means. So mm. that pi- that's one thing that's like changed in the last year is that pipeline from like not knowing. I think Peacock is the only hand- holdout now. Shows that are on Peacock don't come out here. Everything else we're getting. What and about- we're getting things sooner than we used to. What about Paramount Plus? Yeah. Are we getting that? Mm, we're getting some of that. Okay. They have the most inconsistent, especially when it comes to their Star Trek franchise, where... <laughs> I knew you were going to use this as an one thing. One thing, no, but like franchise. Picard is on Amazon Prime, which is like easy to watch, even though it was shit. Mm-hmm. Strange New Worlds is available. What about the non-Star Trek stuff? What other non-Star Trek stuff do they have? Uh, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I've heard about on, on, um, on, on Peacock is something called... Oh, Peacock has, I think, has that, has that got Poker Face? The the Tasha Leon. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. Maybe that's and there's also another one that's something like Paul F something or other. It's not Paul of Tamcom, it's Paul T. Fableman. It's supposed to be amazing, but that's yeah, that's all I know about right. it is seeing tweets. Kiefer Sutherland's new show, uh, Rabbit Hole, is supposed to be on Paramount Plus. Oh really? Yeah. Huh. Oh, Halo was on Paramount Plus. Right. And and the uh, the re- the TV remake of a Fatal Attraction is on Paramount Plus. Okay, why? Hey, it's Lizzie Kaplan. Oh, um, oh, that's why she's not in Party Down. Like Lizzie Kaplan's awesome. I'll fucking watch her or anything. And uh, and Michael the Michael Douglas role is Pacey. Oh, I can. Yeah. Josh Jackson. <laughs> you I'm, know, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> you know, Party Down season three is coming out. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. And she's, she's, not she's not in it. it. Yeah. Did you ever get into um, Castle Rock, that Stephen King inspired show? No, 
I was quite surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Oh, you finished it? Yeah, yeah, I finished it. I watched, two, I watched two both seasons. seasons. Uh, two, two seasons. seasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the um, I think the first season is stronger than the second season, but the but the second season, Lizzie Kaplan is playing young Annie Wilkes. Ah, yes. And she's fucking amazing in it. She mm. has all of uh, Kathy Bates's mannerisms and and uh, cadences down down pat. The second season is really cool as uh, Annie Wilkes' origin story. Hmm. Because it, because it, well, you're not going to watch it, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I heard a lot about this as a following yeah. at the time, but just never got around to watching yeah, it. Yeah, so it's it's an it's a it's a it's a, it's a super villain origin story. Yeah, but really, really cool. They were going the someone else did this, right? There was there was Fargo was kind of doing it where it's just like take the original material and run with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was basically throwing everything Stephen King into one big blender and deciding what they wanted to put into a show. Yeah, I mean they're basically telling their own their own story, but just borrowing elements from different Stephen King books and, and just putting and just putting it in there. So, it's, wild, so it's, it's wild that's a thing that people do these days. Yeah, <laughs> this is the Stephen King shared universe. Yeah. So yeah, speaking of TV. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the so, bear came the bear. to Hulu after came to Disney Plus after a while. So um, aside from Peacemaker, this was my favorite show of last year. Yeah, this was fucking awesome tv uh and what's great about it is that it just for me it just kind of came out of nowhere i have no idea who any of these actors are uh it's i i love stuff that takes place behind the scenes in a fucking restaurant i'm a sucker for that shit yeah uh i mean i love i don't watch reality tv but i love like food reality tv reality tv cooking competitions or whatever i eat that shit up the only one we watch is hell's kitchen because it's a real kitchen kind of thing Kind of no, there's some. They're, they're all good. I'll watch all of them, even the, even the bad ones. Yeah. Like, there, there's one on Netflix now called Pressure Cooker, which is so bad, but I <laughs> but I kind of like it. Yeah. It follows a similar uh, so, similar sort of structure for that terrible fucking reality show Love Island. Mm. You know where these like vapid fucking morons like the Love Island people like text them, and every time they get a text, they'd be like, "I got a text," oh. and then they all gotta go and like see what the challenge is. Have it's you? the same thing with Pressure Cooker. <laughs> it's like you know the, the the ticket the ticket machine that yeah, comes yeah. up. It's the same thing. It's like we got a ticket. <laughs> have you seen the bits about MILF Manor? No. It's supposed to be a dating show for it these sounds MILFs. gloriously bad. And when they pull the curtain up and see who they're going to be living with for the next two weeks, it's the mothers and their sons. I have heard about this. It looks like... I, I've I, only seen clips and I'm just like, I'm, I don't want to know how the rest I of it works because it just sounds so demented. I have heard about this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's <laughs> fucked up. Uh, but anyway, so... The Bear. I, I love that kind of shit. So yeah. The Bear for me was a, a really... Just a great, great surprise. I, I, I inflicted this on my girlfriend without telling her anything about it because I'd heard from certain sources that I follow online and stuff like that, people I trust, that mm-hmm. said, like, mm-hmm. just watch the bear. Mm-hmm. So we watched it mostly cold. All I knew was something about food. That's nothing else about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that first episode, she had no idea what she was watching and I had no idea what we were watching. Mm-hmm. Grabbed by the balls within instants. Yeah, pretty much. Within seconds. And then, not only that, they raise you up on your balls because it's just so tense. Yeah. Like, I was clenched. My entire body was clenched about five yeah. minutes into the episodes and remained that way for the rest of the show. Yeah. it's it, The whole thing is put together like a thriller. Yeah. It, it's, it's like a real potboiler, like, you know, excuse the expression. Uh, <laughs> so, it's, uh, it stars uh, Jeremy, Allen, Jeremy Allen White. Um I'm not familiar with Scott. All I know is, is that he was in the U.S. version of Shameless, which I never watched. Yeah, same here. Um, but so he plays uh, Carmen. Car- they call him Carmi. Oh, he's in the rental. I saw the rental. Oh, I didn't see that. So Carmi, Carmi Brazado, and he inherits uh, his brother's uh, iconic Chicago sandwich shop. Yeah. And he comes from the world of fine dining, where he works for dipshit Joe McHale. Yeah, like in in, in a in, in a glorious flashback performance. Yes. Like he's he's scary. Like he's fucking scary in this. It's the perfect douche. 
Yeah, and so he inherits the brother's sandwich shop, and so he goes in there and he tries to he tries to make things work. And also, the brother we find out very very early on was just you know nicest guy in the world. Everybody loved him. Terrible businessman. Yeah, terrible businessman. The 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 rest of the sandwich shop is not doing well, and it's fallen to his younger brother, who incidentally he didn't want to be a part of the sandwich place while he was alive. Yeah, um, you know. Like I guess you you know you find out why later in the series, but so because of that, there's a lot of resistance when he comes in. All of the other uh, staff don't like him, don't respect him. And to be fair, he is a little bit of a dick, but his heart's in the right place, and he's trying to. He's just he's in over his head basically because yeah. the, the the shop is not doing well. Uh, fucking uh, the IRS is uh, breathing down their necks, and it, they just you know the, like the brother just didn't keep good records. The place is a fucking mess. And he's got to try and like fix things. And the genius of it is, is that we're giving you all this, and you maybe if you haven't watched it, you might be thinking of it as like this is the setup you get in the first couple of minutes or like that. A lot of this is revealed over time. Yeah. When you see the brother, like the the deceased yeah. brother, it's yeah. it's genius. Yeah. It's glorious to see who it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and it, and it works perfectly. Yeah. Like, and it's not, but it's not until like at least halfway through the season, right? Yeah. So you don't even find out that thing. You don't even find out like did his brother? Like you said it there. His brother didn't want him involved in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And it's but like you, we don't. But you find that out pretty early. You find that out a little bit early, but you're not sure why. Yeah. And you're not. And again, like, and when you say he's he's over his head, but he's also light years ahead of these people who work there yeah. with regards to just his basic chefing skills. Yeah. So even him on his worst day is going to perform better than anyone in this shop. But just trying to move them an inch. Yeah. Is and with people who've worked in having worked in a bed factory with people who would have worked in the same job for thirty fucking years. Yeah. Trying to just like if you move your desk slightly to the left. Yeah. Everything would move. So much smoother. Yeah, that is the line in the sand that no one will cross. That'll just like that's World War Three if that happens. Yeah, and the biggest resistance comes from uh, this guy who keeps calling himself Carmi's uh, cousin, but they're yeah. not really cousins. It's cuz cuz yeah. Is, Every uh, time he said that, I couldn't stop thinking about Lilo and Stitch. Did you ever see the TV show? No, I never saw. Once it. they made a TV show, it was like Lilo. No, not Lilo. Stitch chasing down his other ones, and every time he found another crazy creature, mm-hmm. he said, "Hey, cousin." Oh shit! <laughs> so every time I hear this guy say, "Come on, cuz." <laughs> The dumbest fucking shit. But yeah, so this guy's character, his name is uh, Richie, and um, he's played by Ebon uh, Ebon Moss, Moss uh, Backrack, who, uh, again, I'm not familiar with. But I can say, this guy has the bluest eyes you've ever seen in your fucking <laughs> life. I think the only one who can remo- come remotely close to competing is Elijah Wood. Mm. Uh, but seriously, every time he was on screen, he's like, he's a fucking asshole. Yeah. He's a fucking asshole. I'm just like... God, your eyes are amazing. <laughs> you have the best eyes. <laughs> but that's perfect for the role because yeah. he's a complete asshole. And that, that, that level of charm brings outright hostility from other people down to, I'll put up with your bullshit. As opposed to, I should be falling in love with you. Well, no, I mean, like, I'm not falling in love. It's, it, it looks weird, yeah. you know, because he's got beautiful eyes, but it just doesn't go with the rest of his face because the character is just a fucking, <laughs> just a fucking hard ass. Uh, but again, I'm telling the fucking story here. Yeah. But what I, another, another thing that I adore about this show is that the episodes are short. Yes. They all have varying running times. I think the longest one is probably like 40 minutes. I think the last one may be something like 40, 50 minutes. Yeah. And, uh, oh, the last one is longer because we were surprised. We were going to get through it and it was like, we have time for one more. And then we were halfway through the episode and it was like, oh shit, there's like more, way more time left on this. Yeah, so I think you're right. The last one I think is the longest one. But for the most part, they all sort of like clock in at 25, 32, something like that. 28, there is, I think. There is, uh, there is one episode that is under 20 minutes, uh, but there's a reason for that. <laughs> That's the Warner. Yeah. Like that, like you, I mean, you want to talk about just being fucking chewing your fingernails to, to the bone. I mean, like uh, that, that episode that I'm talking about, the, 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 the one that's less than 20 minutes, 
that's an insane, insane fucking episode of TV for, for, for any genre. So I've had more time to digest this and there has been just, you know, more discourse and the zeitgeist going on about this. So there's a great, I couldn't find it today, but there is a great history of the show talking about the, the making of it. Um, you know the electrician guy? Uh, yeah, he's the chef. He was, he's the, uh, he chef. was the creative consultant. He's the creative consultant. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's like, he's a YouTuber. Oh, is he? He is a YouTube he's chef. Fact. Yeah. Meal fact. Yeah. <laughs> he was on um, Selena and Chef, so he turned up like, Hi, Selena, we're going to be cooking this today. It's going to be great. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. I, I, I like Selena and Chef. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that episode with him in it. Oh, we finished it. All of it. Right, right, right. Um, there's something very endearing about watching someone on a cooking show who's worse than you with a knife. After 10 fucking episodes, 20, mm-hmm. 40 episodes, mm-hmm. still doesn't know how to like use she's a fucking still, knife. She's still in danger of slicing her fingers. <laughs> you can see it. Every time she's like, Oh, it's Jesus, right. don't. Jesus, Selena. <laughs> it's as tense as the bear. <laughs> but yeah, he, that's genius. But there's also a whole discussion of how they set up the set for that one. Mm-hmm. So they had movable walls and everything. Awesome. It's a, there's a video on it, I think, as well. I'm not sure if it's Slate or maybe Rolling Stone has it. Mm. But they're fascinating to read. But again, he's just like the, he's the, he's the, the, the chef consultant. And he just plays like the electrician guy who kind of half fixes shit all the time. Yeah, like who wants to, who wants a job in the kitchen, but no, but like Richie doesn't want to give it to him. And the article says about the the story with the uh, the online orders coming in and not stopping. Mm-hmm. That is like a well known chef nightmare. Chefs have nightmares about that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where it's just like the ticket machine keeps I can, going. I can imagine. I can imagine. And that was just that constant noise of that yeah, yeah, going yeah. the whole time. Like yeah. it's, you'd say it's an assault on your senses, but it is just insanely entertaining to watch it's not painful to watch it's not painful to watch but it is you know your nerves get a workout yeah and then Oliver Platt turns up yeah Oliver Platt's great yes I love the episode at Oliver Platt's house (laughs) 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 I mean that was a nice sort of one thing about the show that I I won't say it it wears you down but there's so much like hostility uh, with, with amongst the characters, where everyone's just kind of at each other's throats as everyone's trying to prove prove themselves or resisting change or all that kind of stuff. That um, there is that one episode in Oliver Platt's house, which is considerably lighter. Yeah, where you do kind of see why these guys actually care about each other. Mm. Like you know when you when you see sort of like like uh, Carmi and Richie and, and Oliver Platt's character hang out, mm. where they sort of share that moment. Because up until that episode, it's like they're f- trying to ultra, it's like they're all trying to throttle each other. It's like they're in prison, stuck together. Yeah, like they're and, trapped together in this room and yeah. they just are constantly fucking with each yeah. other and it is claustrophobic even yeah. the set is claustrophobic yeah so when you get to that episode where they're kind of out in the open and sort of like, they're at like a kid's party and everything and they've got a there's this really like beautiful moment in the third act of the episode where they're just talking shit and just talking about the old the old times yeah. and the shit that they used to get up to and it happens just at the right time in the season as well where it's like you need that kind of moment where you sort of see that these people care about each other that they are they do go way back there's a shared history but yeah, no, I, I highly recommend it. If yeah. you haven't seen it, and I think I think by this point most people would have, but if you haven't seen The Bear, it is, like I said, out next to Peacemaker, the best TV show that I saw last Very week. Very different, but also about family. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, I mean, like, if you want to, like, you know, like a, do like a double bill of a TV show. Those are two great shows to put together if you haven't seen them in the off, in the crazy off chance that now, you haven't seen. It's them. funny you say that because the amount of sheer content that's coming out these days, I miss miss things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I miss out that, that thing. If I don't see it in my new on Netflix or new on whatever queue, mm-hmm. I can completely miss it. Yeah. Um, but Jeremy Allen White, like he's been winning all of the acting awards at the in this this uh, for this award season. He won the Golden Globe. He won the Critics' Choice. Well, fucking deserved. It's amazing. It's hard to think of anyone else in that role, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. he's such a look as well. Yeah. No. Oh. Everybody. Everybody in this show just looks real. Yeah. Nobody looks like there's no there's no fucking uh, CW faces in this. Mm. You know, there's no 
Is it CW or WB? It's CW now. CW right? used yeah. to be so. CW was the one when they're when they're when they're mocking it. Yeah, there's no there's no CW fucking faces in this show. There's this uh, a thing that popped up yesterday. I'm not sure if you saw this. It was a use of technology to correct the eye lines. Do you hear about this? No. So it's one of his scenes from later in the season where he's talking about his brother. Right. And he's kind of, you know, emoting all over the place. The context I saw it in was someone retweeting it saying like, oh, yes, it's great. We, with technology, we can remove all the humanity and emotion from a performance. Mm-hmm. Because in that scene, he is like, it's his eyes are all over the place. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he's putting t- together what he's saying yeah. as he's saying it. Yeah. As he's pouring out something that's been built up for yeah. so long. So having d- directly looking at the camera the whole time when that yeah. happens just makes it really, really weird. Right, right. Um, really bad look at the technology but something that might eventually get you to watch Andor is that Evan Musbachrock is in it oh right <laughs> so we've been trying to get Gavin to watch Andor for a while and and he's great in it as well and that's like, that's literally all I can say about it because anything else I, nothing alright awesome yeah highly recommend it can you remember the name of the video game that they're playing that had the video game in the, the, the arcade the, no, the few arcade no, no, games no. <laughs> that had all the freaks turn up for the, the arcade shit it's nuts you don't even get to see the, the restaurant that much right is the, is the break room the restaurant yeah yeah. yeah, the break from the restaurant where they have like what is it like uh, what do they call it? Is it staff staff lunch? Is it lunch? something like something that? Like that. Yeah, 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 family yeah. style. Everything's family style. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's yeah. They have their family. No, the, the, they the, all the, eat together. Yeah, the break room is uh, the, the the restaurant. Yeah, it looks like shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's really it's not fine dining. <laughs> no, but we never see any customers in there. Really. No, you do in, in that room. Not really. Yeah, a it's mostly it's them in there, or else they're behind the counter. You do see it like a little bit, like when. Um, when Sydney like uh, gives the risotto, you, like uh, you you do you do see that. Mm. You oh, get, yeah. You, yeah. When she tries the risotto. Yeah. When she tries yeah, the risotto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> with a with a cola bray short rib. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that sounds good. Mm. All right, something I want to bring up quick, but did I mention this to you before? The uh, it's a game called Immortality. I might have mentioned it. You mentioned it, yeah. Yeah. So I got into this over Christmas. It's on Netflix now, so it's in your Netflix subscription. I'm not sure if it'll work on your. MacBook, but it worked on the iPad fine. So if you have Netflix, you just download it. Right. And it's presented as this is an archive of this actress's works. The actress is uh, called Marissa Marcel, who's played by Manon Gage. And it's just presented as like an archive, an mm-hmm. explorable archive. There's no, if you go into the about section, it gives you a little bit more about it. And that this actress was in, mu- in multiple movies, three of which were never released. Right. One of which is kind of like um, Temptation and a Monk in the in Renaissance Italy style. One is a murder mystery in 70s New York, and one is a 90s movie uh, called Two of Everything mm-hmm. about uh, uh, twins or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it just, as you start the game, it gives you a random assortment of clips. They just, they're displayed as little squares. You click on a clip and it plays from a certain spot. And as you go through it, if, for example, there's a can on the table, if you click on that can, it might bring you to another clip that also has a can. Not the same can, but a similar can, right? right. Most of the time, it, when you click on these things, it brings you in the middle of the scene. You can also rewind back and forward. So you can go back and see the clapperboard. Mm-hmm. And so you can, you can hear behind the scenes conversations and click on the clapperboard to get to another scene with the clapperboard in it, which is an easy way of actually building up a whole load of clips. And all you're doing is just seeing these clips and sometimes behind the scenes shots of three movies that never came out. Right. And it's not presented as a murder mystery or anything like that. But as you go through it, you slowly find out that there's reasons supposedly there's reasons why these movies never come out like you might clip out, click on a cup and it brings you to like a Johnny Carson style interview but everything's fictional like not, Every, not, not everything's not it's made up it's Jonathan yeah. Frake saying it's false it's made up right it's not real right but it's all presented as if it is right and music's always constantly playing and stuff's happening and you're just slowly piecing together like these movies they look like one looks like it was made in the 60s one looks like it was made in the 70s there's arguments going on behind. You can, if you if you rewind and fast forward a bit, you can hear arguments behind what's going on or how they're going to frame things and all this kind of stuff. And it's interesting on its own, right? Mm-hmm. And then you start noticing oddness. Is all I can say. Because I would like you to play with this if you can get it on your Mac. But this is like uh, like ultimately 
it's like a mystery. You're, yes. you're, you're trying to solve a mystery. You start to notice that at certain times the music goes away. Right. And if you mess around with the footage, mm. you can find more footage. Right. That's not from any of the three movies. And there's a slight David Lynchian thing to it. Ooh, nice. And when that started happening, I was losing my mind. Because <laughs> everyone has talked about this in such... You know, it's an interest. It's all these clips, and that's it. And it's interesting to play, but that's all you said about it. Yeah. But it's interesting when you play it yourself, and then you start to see how far the rabbit hole goes. Exactly. But yeah. also, you're looking at these actors who are playing characters, playing characters. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's just wild. They made and shot three full movies mm -hmm. that you can watch. And I think there's an option to order them that you can watch from beginning to end. Oh right. And like they're, they're, they're that's on, very that's very interesting. That they're complete movies, and but then on every scene you can go back to the clapperboard and say like it's not ready, you know, <laughs> or, or arguments or behind the scenes stuff where they're just like talking about you sucked today, you need to do better tomorrow, mm -hmm. and they're just passing a joint around in the seventies. And you might wonder about how could the same actress be in a movie from the sixties, the seventies, and the nineties, and there's and there's, reason, there's, there's reasons, reasons for that. that. I think it's really interesting. I'm putting it on air. Well, to the name of the game is immortality. immortality. So. so yeah, I would. Uh, I would recommend, if it, as I said, if you have a Netflix subscription, it's definitely playable on an iPad. You just click on it and a lot of might be download a separate thing. It is about 12 gig because all the video footage. Right, right, right. It was a nice Christmas just clicking through these clips and going, am I, what am I doing here? What is this for? Oh, that's an interesting scene. Oh, this is weird. And then finding the next level was just, it was cool. This one sounds interesting. I'll check this out. I recommend. This sounds like something out. I could actually play. That's what I'm saying. You, <laughs> yeah. It's like a child's toy. Right. <laughs> Use your hands. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Another thing I want to ask you quickly was when we past talked about Thor: Love and Thunder, you mentioned that I should rec uh, you recommended I should read the Gore the God Butcher comic storyline, the Jason Aaron stuff. Yeah, yeah. Where did you get to on that? Uh, when you recommended it to me, was it just when Gore was vanquished? Yes. Okay. And with with the three Thors and yeah. Scott and the Grand Yes. And yes. And that's it. I think so, yeah. Yeah, because that's the beginning of the whole kind of collection, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you put me onto this, and there's and, five uh, books. And, and like in King Thor? Yes, King Thor and Young Axe yeah. Thor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like the first volume of five. I got busy! No, I, no, 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 I'm not, no, no, I'm not saying that as in you're lazy, do more reading. Yeah. You do more comic reading, stop making movies. I'm saying this as in like that whole thing is like a huge basis for the part of Love and Thunder. Yeah. But the way the story builds from there, like... That's oh no the, no! I know that it, I know it's that the, it, it's, kept it's the going. first time that I've read. I mean, it's five volumes, obviously, and they're big. I think as well. Yeah, like I have the digital versions. Yeah, it's the first time where I've read a comic in so long where, and it's not stopping for events. Mm -hmm. The only event is the War of the Realms, which is a Thor event. Mm -hmm. It builds on everything that's in that, like the the, the Thor's granddaughters, King mm -hmm. Thor, Young mm -hmm. Thor, mm -hmm. multiple different stories. What's going on with Loki? Obviously, there's always a bit of Loki going on there. Yeah, yeah. But like. For a month, I was just reading Thor. Yeah, I mean, and like, uh, thoroughly enjoying it, which yeah. is not something I think of. It's it's uh, would happen. I mean, the stuff that I have read, it's some of my favorite Thor stuff that I've ever read. I mean, it's uh, it's so fucking grandiose and epic and and just powerful. Like, yeah, really, really like powerful stuff. Like, it's one of those arcs. It's, of one, it's one of those things that actually makes you believe that it's you're reading history. That yeah, you're, you're reading about you're reading something that about something that happened. It's like it's got a Lord of the Rings kind of quality to it. Yeah, and it, it also has that kind of like strong fable aspect of it, where like the things keep coming up or reinforces itself as it goes. Like it feels like it's the first time in a long time I've read a comic book, a long running comic book, where it felt like the action, the the, the adventures of a hero, as opposed to random shit happening all the time, some of which was completely incongruous with what happened the previous week. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it is a, it is a run, yes, but I don't know who else has gotten to do a run like that in a while. I don't. I, I can't think of anyone. I think uh, this is right up there with uh, it's it's Jason Aaron and, and Walt Simonson. I think these are the only two guys who've ever really managed to really understand the the scope 
of, uh, of, of, of Thor in the comics. But even outside of Thor, who's done the big... Like, even looking at bits and pieces of Guardians of the Galaxy over the years, or, I mean, the Lady Thor thing I got when Amazon gave it away for free, mm-hmm. but it's like, they're still shorter. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I was trying to think, who's done a... I was asking this on another group's Discord. Who's done a run that long and that cohesive in a long time? Um, I mean, the first thing that pops to mind, but it's, you know, obviously not intergalactic. It's not the fucking cosmic shit. Oh, yeah, no. Is uh, Brian Michael Bendis' run of Daredevil. Oh, okay. Brian, Brian Michael Bendis' run of Daredevil was very long and fucking kicked ass. I mean, I, I, I can't remember how many issues it was. We're, we're talking like three or four large... Chunky volumes. L- chunky volumes. All right, that's one. Because there's, there's a lot of Daredevil. There seems to be a lot of good runs on Daredevil. So if that's a good one, I think I'll jump into that. Yeah, I don't think I've read that like, one. Yeah, Brian Michael Bendis' run on Daredevil was insane. Was great. Like he took it to insane places where where it's like you know where where Daredevil became the kingpin. Like he he fucking took over Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, definitely. Haven't read that um, one, yeah. So it was it was insane. I mean, and then of course, like then you got the other older stuff. You know, like with, with Miller and all that. But like yeah. um, um, one of the seminal uh, recent Daredevil runs for me, although it's not really recent anymore, is Brian Michael Bendis' run. So. Mm-hmm. Because like, like, run is like, too, if, like if you want to talk like long yeah. ass runs, I want I want to sit down and, and develop yeah. myself in a character for a while. Because with the Thor one, it's only 2016 that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's quite it it feels classic, but it's quite yeah. modern. Um, uh, Bendis's one is older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miller's is much older. I mean, I'm aware, yeah. that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for now. I want to read the but stuff. Miller's, that's like, but, but Miller's Daredevil wasn't that long. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It was. It's iconic. Like yeah. it, you know, it's legendary. But it wasn't that long. Um, I think Bendis was on that book for years. Mm. Uh, so this is like a story that takes place over. Like <laughs> but that's what that's what I'm looking for because when I think about those kind of classic comics like that, mm. they're most of the ones we think about from like the Dark Knight or Watchmen and all those kind of era or yeah. a little bit around that time. Yeah, you know, or building off that. We're yeah. not. I'm not getting newer stuff. Or if I am, it's like there seems to be a lot of Tom King Batman, but I don't know. Do I really need to read all of it? Um, okay, like Tom King's Batman is awesome, but it's um, it feels episodic. Yeah. It, it does sort of interconnect and there are things from issues that all sort of feed into each other. Yeah. But it's, it doesn't feel... It has its uh, multi-issue arcs that wrap themselves up relatively neat. Like Tom King is doing a lot of um, 12-issue miniseries right now. Mm. Um, his Adam Strange is awesome. Yeah, I've got that. Uh, his Human Target is fucking good. So that's one I've heard. There's been like two or three runs on Human Target. I need yeah, to check. So, so like the most recent one, the most recent one uh, that Tom, Tom King is doing, I think like the final issue has just dropped or is about to. Um, his 12-issue run on uh, on Human Target is really good. The art is fucking amazing. Okay. Uh, and if you want to read... Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're live. What is it? Fuck you, Mom. <laughs> anyway. Come uh, back and read the meter on another fucking day. <laughs> trying to sleep, asshole. <laughs> uh if you are looking for a good Tom King uh, Batman one, is like uh, his twelve issue now is collected in one edition. His Batman Catwoman. Okay. Because um, that's a, that's a cool. Is one. it the wedding one? Or is it? Uh, it's, it's post. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Tom King's like a full like a normal Batman run. That's where the the, the whole Batman Catwoman wedding yeah. thing pops into it. I mean, and it's great. It's great. Even even though it is a little episodic, I enjoy I enjoyed the hell out of it. I mean, I really enjoy Tom King's writing. Mm. But Tom King is a bit like Bendis in the sense that. Fuck man, like he loves to write. Like, like <laughs> he's got there, everything. There, there, there are there are some pages where it's just like, oh shit, a lot of words. <laughs> uh, 
You know, you get those spreads like Bendis yeah. would do it. Tom King does it, where you'll just like have this this two page spread full of di- multi- short little small little panels, and every panel is a huge chunk of like Bendis would do that shit with powers mm. uh, or any fucking thing that he did. There's a lot of diary entries that were going diary on long entries, in Paris. Or if someone was uh, there's like a big news news item, and so like they're interviewing the people on the street, and you have like two fucking pages of like twenty people <laughs> like talking like, oh, I was there, blah blah, blah and, and you're like, when you, when you turn it and you look at it, you just think. Yourself. Next, <laughs> next page. Yes, I gotta read this. <laughs> I was looking at Wonder Woman Historia, mm. and the first issue of that made me feel the complaint that most people say I was like, I don't read comics. Why? I don't know where to go next because I was looking at these huge, big spreads, and it's yeah, like yeah. the pictures go that way, but the text seems to go this way. Yeah, it, some of them can be a little confusing. Yeah, and um, also, I mean, it, it, it's getting a lot of awards and stuff like that, but I think it is very much trying to be. Promethea was better thought out. You ever yeah. read Promethea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elamor? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Promethea is like, I, I love the infinity splash. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Do you remember that page? It's like an infinity symbol that you can re- you can start anywhere and read the whole thing and it makes sense. Yeah. Um, it, tr- it seems to be trying to do that, but at some point it lost me. Right. But yeah, that's our comic minute. Yeah. Little detour. Little detour. <laughs> I wanted to get your input on that. I, I did read Grant Morrison's Green Lantern and was completely nonplussed. Right. Yeah, I haven't read uh, Grant Morrison's Green Lantern, but Jason Aaron's Thor, what I did read, was fucking awesome. Yeah, it's it's awesome. That, that also it's... Cre- contributes to why I really don't like Thor Love and thunder yeah i like little bits of it uh certain sections of it work for me but for the most part i'm like this is a really inconsistent mess of a film i think we recorded my thoughts on it in june i think, July, I think, I think you might think you might have done yeah <laughs> like i watched it and i, I was i was angry yeah angry <laughs> I, I, I was pissed off it's like what the fuck is taika doing i was shocked the first 30 minutes are not funny right there's no, no not no. a single joke lands no you could hear a pin drop in the cinema not because they were wrapped because they were like bored yeah yeah. But the Thunderstruck section... Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's cheesy, but it worked. <laughs> it worked for me. Again, you were a rock kid. You should have got that. No, I like the song. It was Thunderstruck, <laughs> right? It was... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like I thought the, the way it built up and everything. Um, I mean, yeah. It was... It was. You know, I thought Christian Bale and Natalie Portman were kind of wasted in it. Totally. Uh, Natalie Portman deserved a better film. She... Like, her... That arc... Because that's a very famous arc. Yeah. Like, it deserved a better film. I told you, it's not the culmination of that arc. It's kind of a semi-culmination of that arc. Yeah, yeah. I was reading the comic and I was tearing yeah. up. I was sitting here eating noodles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Christian Bale's giving it his all. He's like, he's going for that other Oscar nomination. He doesn't realize what movie he's in. <laughs> <laughs> on a side note, did you see the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer with the In the Meantime song on it? Did yes. you know that In yes. the Meantime song from back in the day? I, I mean, I was aware of it. I, I don't have the same emotional attachment to it that you do I'd have a very cause, emotional cause, tactic because I, I know that that fucked you up yeah because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't re- you don't realize it because you, you know you, th- you don't think you're going to hear it yeah, yeah and then yeah. you hear bits of it and you're like and I listen to that song on the reg yeah and that, that's not lost any of its power for me that song over 20 years or whatever like that. so yeah. I start hearing it and I see the Guardians jumping around yeah I got a little bit of a similar for Goodbye Yellow Brick Road for the Ant-Man but mm-hmm, I don't know mm-hmm. I don't know how I mean I don't I don't have like an emotional attachment to that song but it's, it's a good it's, song but it's a good song and it works you yeah. know I just don't know how that movie's going to work. Yeah. Because yeah. having you, you haven't seen Loki, have you? I haven't seen Loki. Yeah. No. So having seen there's there's hints of Kang in there and right. what they're doing here, it's like, are this going to is this just going to repel audiences completely because it's so fucking weird? We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it looks it looks like you know it, it looks cool. Yeah. Um, oh, and what's his name's in it? Bill Murray. Yeah. Yeah, Bill that's Murray. The one. And uh, Modok. Yeah, they're keeping 
He's not enough of a weird little guy, but he's, he looks like a bit of a weird little guy. He looks more sinister than anything else. There is a footage of him with the helmet off. Or he has a mask on. There's oh, there a mask. is? There is one. He's in the background and it just looks like a, few, a normal human head. So it might oh, right. look even weirder than it does. Right. But I think they nailed Modoc with the Patton Oswalt show, which is on Disney, which is yeah, it's yeah. kind of fun. In, in the Patton Oswalt show, he looks like an action figure. Yeah. He looks like a, the comic, an action figure. And that's how Modoc should look. Exactly. You don't... Re- he doesn't... I can't... No. Yeah. A, a, real, a real giant human head with tiny baby arms and legs isn't going to work yeah so now we move on to one of the stars of our show <laughs> indeed this this show is actually pretty new uh it's called the japanese tales of the macabre and uh this is uh, by jinji ito who i was not i mean i heard the name but uh i had not read any of his comics it is and you wild you, you introduced to me. me to some that yeah. i just got done reading and holy shit it is wild to me you'd never heard of this guy no i have heard of him but I you just, hadn't I, seen I, his I, stuff yeah it was one of these things where the internet I just had heard bits, seen bits and pieces. I actually see, I saw Uzumaki, which is the, the Spiral movie. Mm. It's based on this comic Spiral. Right. Around the time of The Ring, the first Ring coming out. Because when mm-hmm. the first Ring came out, it ignited something in me that I was just watching all of those weird J-horror movies. Mm-hmm. And Uzumaki's like that. It's, it's, I thought it was someone's involved, maybe a producer or something like that from the Ring movies, the Ringu movies. But it was deeply fucked up and not in the same way as The Ring. So I wasn't quite into it. Yeah. But over the years, I just see images and be wondering what the fuck, you know, like does that image of the lady with the, the whose eyeball has turned into a spiral, right? And different mm-hmm. things like that. So mm-hmm. I did look into it for a while. And if you look at my Twitter account, I don't know if you've seen that. When you asked about this, I said, you can't escape Junji Ito. Yeah, yeah. Junji Ito crosses my timeline from people I don't follow all the time. Yeah. That's why every time I see it, I retweet, you can't escape Junji Ito. And it's been how long since the last time you crossed my timeline. Sometimes it's hours mm-hmm. of half past. And it's a completely different thing that comes along. Yeah. But I did went down a hole at one point of reading things like Gyo or what was it called? The Fault, the Amagara Fault, was that what it was called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And just reading the you know, when you're on a when you're on a Wikipedia or internet hall, you know when you get start you know, you start clicking through things and reading things and it's late at night and you're just reading this shit and it's soundless. It's just black and white imagery the most of the time. And it manages to evoke such feelings of horror and dread. Gyo is a story about like this weird smell that's coming in this town. And then there's fish with metal legs start coming around the place and attacking people. Mm-hmm. And then the people start getting weird. Mm-hmm. And like it's this... You don't know. You never know what's going on. Like it's not like the horror is ever explained. Mm. Okay, it is explained slightly in that story. If I'm going to be correct by somebody, but it's that unknowing feeling of just absolute. It's almost like the kind of Lovecraftian shit, right? Yeah. It's like something so unknowably horrible is happening, and there's no good reason for it. Yeah. And it's that sense of dread that comes across in most of the stuff. Yeah. And I think there has been one other animated show that tried to adapt some of his stuff, and it was very badly received. The animation, I think, wasn't very well done. When was this done? Um, last year, the year before. Okay, do you remember what it was called? I think it was the Junjito collection, was it? <laughs> oh, the Junjito? Maybe. Yeah. 2018. Yeah. Yeah, so probably so then. It, they've been trying to do something with him for a while. There's also a video game called World of Horror, which is very much in the style, but nothing to do with him. Right. So I was surprised when this came out. And you've watched more of it than I have. Uh, I mean, I've only seen like the first three episodes. Yeah. And it's kind of like what you're describing. I mean, it's, it's incredibly disturbing. There's no kind of feel-good element to it in any way whatsoever. <laughs> None of it ends well. No. <laughs> uh, and, it's, and it's genuinely horrific. I mean, like, the first episode is about this very fucked up fucking family uh, called the, uh, the the Hikizuri siblings. And... It's they, weird. It's just weird. Like, I mean, they're like, like the I, weird Adam like, family. Like, like, to be honest with you, I like episode two and episode three more. Mm. Um, so out of the three episodes, episode three is my favorite. Uh, I'm, I'm not crazy about episode one. It's, it's, I mean, it's weird. I didn't find it particularly scary, but it's, it's just weird and creepy. But the fucking screaming girl. It's the little girl. The little girl who just keeps fucking screaming all the time. And, and I mean, I know that anime has a lot of like screaming female characters, but yeah. this one really. You've played some, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> but this one really got on my nerves. And yeah. I, it, like, to the point where I wanted to switch it off like, on numerous occasions just because. 
I couldn't stand the sound of this fucking girl screaming. And it's not because, oh, it's terrifying and unnerving. No, no it's, it's bad. A, it's bad. It's, yeah. a, it's annoying. That first episode, I pres- what I'm thinking is there must be some link around to the last episode or something because there's a bo- yeah. they're burning a body at the beginning. Yeah. And it's not explained. Yeah. It feels like nothing I've read from Junjito's stuff. Like most of his stuff is very ground, not grounded, but like the characters generally are grounded. Yeah. Have you seen the one with the balloon heads? Yeah, yeah, yes. People's heads start turning into balloons and like, oh, yes. these, these ropes come around to take your head off. That's episode it's... three. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, that's one of his more horrifying, but, but they're yeah, always yeah. normal-ish people yeah, that yeah. these things happen and, and, to. And it's fucked up. <laughs> okay. Like, that's episode three. Yeah. It's fucked up. Because when watching the second one, I was looking at the time because I was watching it at lunchtime, at lunch break, and it was like, well, this is ending pretty soon. I wonder how it's going to go. It's go because it's yeah. going real bad for everybody. Yeah. yeah the one yeah. in the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, like, yeah. oh, and no, there's a second story. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like the, like, uh, some of the episodes have two stories. Episode two has two stories. And the first, the first story of episode two takes place in like this tunnel. And like, I mean, I don't want to say what happens, but it's like, it's fucked up. And, and, and bad shit just starts happening. And you think to yourself, well, don't go in the tunnel. Well, you know, like, well, then now what? Like, how are they going to? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> it, it ended badly for everyone, the end. And the second story in episode two is this, is this story with a completely different animation style, which is nice, which actually suits the, the subject matter very well, is an ice cream truck. Yeah. And, oh, ice know, cream bus, they call it, right? Which is in English. The music's in English. Yeah. And the I, ice cream, ice cream bus. I, th- I think that now it's gotten to the point where, you know, the fucking ice cream man, ha- he's, he's like reached like iconic horror status. There's know? a comic series called The Ice Cream Man. It's not Chip Zdarsky, it's somebody else who's like worked with other big writers before. Yeah, it's, there might be. But also, The Ice Cream Man has its roots in uh, Todd McFarlane's Spawn. Oh. Because Billy Kincaid, uh, the original sort of like uh, ch- child killer slash serial killer in, uh, fucking, in fucking Spawn, you know, he, he, he drove an ice cream truck. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's and an I, and and uh, Kai and I have an idea for 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 a, a Malaysian horror film that revolves around the ice cream guy. Yeah, because it is one of those things that yeah. people don't assume it's evil. They, yeah. they, you let it into your lives very easily. Yeah. This even more so in this show because it's yeah. like he's going to take the kids for a ride while they eat their ice cream. Yeah, what, and, what could you, be more innocent? But you just know it's they, all fucked. It's, yeah, the kids are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> like, one look at this fucking creepy oh, ass Jesus. motherfucker. Well, first of all, the ice cream guy is good looking. Yeah, he, you know, he's anime all, good looking. Anime good looking. All ice, all of the innocent ice cream ice cream truck drivers are fucking fat and fucking like unhealthy, just schlubs. Yeah, you know, if you're if you've got like a well groomed, good looking guy driving the ice cream truck, don't let your fucking kids near it. He's a fucking your plant. Kids are fucked. <laughs> They're going to go in the truck and they're all going to melt. <laughs> that reveal, I was like, oh, it's They're fucked. all going to be feeding off each other. Oh, Jesus. They're- I think, so just to give you an idea, the, the tunnel one gave me like, yes, this is Junji Ito from that first one. Because that first yeah, one is yeah, just yeah. So, so different. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this where it's like, I don't know how I keep ending back in the tunnel. Mm, right? Mm, there's mm. this kind of sense of like, it's yeah. inescapable. Yeah. And then you see that the photo, there's a reveal of like, oh, there's something horrifying going to happen yeah. here. Yeah. It's like, that photo's fucked up. Yeah. That shit looks bad. There's also a photo like that in episode one mm. where you, where it's the same thing. It's like, oh my God, there's fucking... Like, oh yeah, and it, you only see a glimpse of it, but yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. very Junji Ito style of like all these kind of spirals and weird yeah. shit around the person. Yeah, yeah. But everything else around it almost feels... It feels like, like the weird Ad- Japanese Adams family because even the fat guy is wearing like a stripy top. It feels like a weird Japanese Adams family if like Rod Zombie and fucking uh, David Lynch tried to do something with it. <laughs> like it just, it just feels a bit off. Yeah. There's a weird combination of tonal shifts yeah. that feel very bizarre that don't sit well in episode one um episode three is just fucked 
<laughs> like episode three is that story you're talking about. The balloon heads. The, the, the balloon heads with the fucking hang ropes. Yeah. And it's just like... So a hang rope comes down, takes your head, and then you go up with a balloon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the Junji Ito story revolving... Does it start with the death of a teen pop star? Probably. I can't remember exactly. Right. Well, because that's how this one starts. Like, yeah. a, it's a, a, a popular fucking teen, teen pop star dies. And then, like, uh, after her death, her fucking huge balloon head is seen, like... <laughs> <laughs> floating, floating around the city floating around like go, like uh, it's just like stopping by her old boyfriend's house and looking at him with vacant eyes and fucking him up you know <laughs> and you think that that would be enough but it just escalates <laughs> to this point where you're just like what the fuck man and and you do not get the ending you want no you never do in Jinjito yeah. the, the, the ending you want and I showed you the, the, the comic that's all I'm the... going to say about that I'm not yeah. going to give anything away I'm just going to say you don't get in none of the episodes, in all three episodes that I've seen, you never get the ending you want. But this is the thing. This is why like, I read a couple. I read a couple of Junji Ito comics, and then after that, it was kind of like I don't. I think I've read the big ones. I think I'm okay. I don't want to read more because they they are deeply unsettling. Yeah. And that first one, like I said, we doesn't capture any of that tone at all. The other ones do a little bit. Story wise, it doesn't end well. But I'm still not. I'm still 100 sold on the translation to anime for that look. Like it, his his style is very simple because when you see that simple style juxtaposed with the horrifying things he conjures, mm, mm. it works really really well. Mm. But when it's in motion, I'm not sure. Do the big heads work as well? Well, I mean, like I said, like Ep3 is the most effective for me. To me, they do work. But I do understand what you're saying. It, it's the same thing with with any novel that you love that's mm. adapted to to film and it's not to say that it's not translated well or that it's not adapted well I think the problem is that when it comes to like with the with the two comic strips of his that you let me read is that there are these things in between the panels that's up to you to fill yeah. in the blanks and it's hard for any animator to compete with that yeah. because your imagination is just it, it can go to so many fucking places yeah. the same thing with novels that are adapted to film even if it's a good adaptation there will always be certain things about it that disappoint you because it can never compete with your initial uh sort of like mental image of what that could be yeah you know because in your mind it's your mind's just going fucking ballistic and just going all, all over the place but even i would like to see just more like stylistic change differences i don't know if they want to do like different directors or different styles per episode to make it maybe stand out a little different to each other just to give different tries to see what works mm -hmm. as opposed to we know his style works for comics so we'll just keep that and try and maintain it in animation mm -hmm. you, know I mean? you know sometimes it can be more interesting to adapt the spirit of the thing than the actual straight look of it yeah but he's prolific so he is a deeply deeply weird man i think he's very nice i think as his interviews with him he's terribly nice oh he probably is it's, just, it's the same fucking thing with david lynch yeah. but david lynch is very much like a gee whiz kind of kind of guy except when he's pissed on set which is also he's he's, he's, he's but great that's great yeah it's great when he's pissed on set i love it when he's pissed on set like he is my fucking spirit animal like it's like who gives a fuck how long the fucking scene is <laughs> that, that, that clip is fantastic what the fuck is that sound it's, it's the lights fuck <laughs> the way he says fuck you know uh, but he's just like like, uh, like the way that the there's the famous like uh, quote from Nicolas Cage when he was doing like Wild at Heart like if he if he got got something that he was happy he was like that was solid gold Nixter yeah yeah Nixter solid gold man uh, I, I sent you that clip no, I'd, I'd heard that before. Oh, okay. But, uh, I mean, but yeah, but you did send me that clip. Yeah. And and I've read David Lynch's uh, biography, mm -hmm. uh, kind of biography. You can hear his voice so clearly; it's amazing. Oh shit! Did I send you the clip of him eating the girl's underwear over Christmas? The what? The clip of him eating someone's underwear. No. Early days of the internet, apparently, when he he had his website and there was a forum there and people were interested, and it was somebody whose username was 
Wow, 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 or something like that. It was a weird enough name. And he's like, so I'm sitting here with Cinema Lover. And what we're going to do is she's going to take off her panties and I'm going to eat them and then say the name of the profile. Right. And there's video of this and he's totally earnest. She steps off camera, so I don't know if he's actually the same one. But he puts a pair of panties in his mouth and then says this very long name. Right. And it's just like, to me... That's cinema. Yeah. And like, that's another thing that, uh, that he said to Nicolas Cage. Like, cinema is a road. A dark, dark road. <laughs> With yellow red lights. We know, we know, we know, David. We've seen it in half your fucking movies. <laughs> Where meaning becomes obscured. <laughs> you should just go get her. Like, okay, next podcast is just us listening to our favorite David like, Lynch. Now, what's that line that, like... Ma- Mac and Amic like says to him in Twin Peaks, "Would you like some? Would you like some cherry pie? Would I? Golly, <laughs> blow my socks off or something or something like that." It's like because like the what's the name of the agent he plays in Twin Peaks? I can't remember the name, of it, but but yeah. it's like this guy's constantly yelling. He's, he's he wears a hearing aid, so yeah, he can't yeah. hear anybody. And Himself genius. and Miguel Ferrer in the back of a car, and they're in Wy- is it Wyoming? Yeah. I said like, I thought we'd be able to see the Mount Rushmore from here. Faces of history. <laughs> it's genius. Who does that? Who does that? Who puts themselves? I'm gonna be. I'm gonna play a deaf FBI agent and shout all the time. No, it's great. Genius. It's great. Ah. Shut up, Kublai. <laughs> I'm guessing that's what his name is. I don't know. Put your put your brother down. That's what my nan said. That's what, that's what my nan said. Like we had this cousin family. <laughs> We've had this on the show. Or, right? I think so. I've I mean, heard you say shut up Kublai before. I'd be like sitting at the table with my nan smoking cigarettes, drinking tea, and she'd be talking about the political situation and like, you know, and how she she doesn't have any problem with races. And then like out of the blue, she'd be like, shut up Kublai! <laughs> <laughs> and he did, he shut up. Yeah. Fair news. Fair news. Alright, and with that we'll move on to our feature presentation. The Banshees of... No, um... <laughs> Everything, everywhere. We do have questions, actually. We should do, well, we do those questions first. Sure, let's do questions. I have, I have photos of the questions, yeah, so preparation. Do Don't send us questions at podcast.negatmentprize.com because I lost access to the account and I have to get it back. So, Natasha. Shout out to Natasha, by the way. who has been badgering us to do a podcast. And, while, shout, and shout out to Natasha for, for watching, for listening to the podcast all the time. Yes. <laughs> um, what's a title released online over the pandemic that you wish you could see in a cinema? Question from McGapmentprize if it's not recorded yet. It's not recorded yet. It's recorded now. Right, you go first. Well, I can't because uh, I... Like, this, this is a problem for me because the pandemic was a weird time for me. Oh, really? I, I didn't go... The rest I mean, of us, it was a lot walk in the park. Yeah, you know, you guys fu- had it fucking <laughs> easy. You know, uh, and... Well, maybe you like, shouldn't have gone to the theater. Like, I didn't, go to the, I didn't go to the cinema and I still haven't been to the cinema. And, At all? Yeah, I, oh. have, I haven't... Like, I haven't been to the cinema since 2000... Okay, the last time I went to the cinema was Tenant. Tenet. Like uh, that was 2021. The, 2020. 2020. That was the that was the last thing I saw in the cinema. You uh come see that Avatar? I would like to see Avatar. Like that that'll probably be the movie that gets me back in the cinema. But it's like right. I, I was one of those guys that just would not fucking go to the cinema. Even when things started opening up, I I I didn't go to the cinema. Yeah. So for me, there's kind of a disconnect between. You're quite happy at home now. Kind of. I mean, there, there's kind of a disconnect between what came out and what didn't. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, everything's kind of blurred. I, I didn't pay attention to what was in what was in the cinema. Um, when I saw this question, my, the first answer that I had was Matrix Resurrections. And I know that Matrix Resurrections got a cinema release. Yes, I saw it in the cinema. Yeah, but I just didn't go because yeah. I wasn't going. But then I had, to rem- I had to remember that, you know. That was Christmas the previous year. 
That was like the last movie in, in Chris, my reviewing that, in my professional reviewing that, capacity. Yes. And we talked about that. I was like, you should go see it. You dig it the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I finally did see it, and I did enjoy it. Yeah. I did enjoy it. I mean, the first I, half is genius. It's no, I think I think it's I think it's a really good film, but I think I think it's wrong to call it a sequel. Mm. It's, it's a it's, it's a legacy sequel or it's, a, it's not Matrix Four. No. It's um. It almost feels like it was. It's Matrix Guy Den. It was made by it, it was made by a different filmmaker. Yeah, you know, and it was. Uh, but that's what I mean by that first half. That first half, I think, is satirical and genius. And you know, our overlords at Warner Brothers and all that kind of stuff. Henry Reeves in a bathtub with a duck on his head and yeah, just playing yeah. with drugs and all that stuff. And him, that feels so true. Yeah. But when they fight, it doesn't. No, feel no, no. Great. Like that. That was the part. Like, like I think the most underwhelming part of the of the of, of Matrix Resurrections was the, was the action. Yeah. Like, but the love story aspect of it, I felt, was great. Oh, yeah. I felt that Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss had more chemistry in this film than they had in all of the other Matrix films combined. Yeah. I was genuinely happy to see them yeah. in those roles again. I just wanted to see them have a coffee together. Yeah. The, the scenes that uh, Davina didn't fall asleep in the cinema, mm -hmm. the scenes where she didn't fall asleep were the ones where they were talking. Yeah. She fell asleep during the action scenes. And this is for someone who had only, we rewatched the original three Matrix movies a couple of months before this, the Resurrection came out. Yeah, yeah. And she was like blown away by them again. Yeah. And that was like a testament to how good those original ones were. No, but everything about Matrix Res Resurrections visually is different. Mm. The color palette is different. It's, it's a different beast. Mm. So it feels well, like when I was watching, I feel like this is a very misunderstood film. Mm. Because people were expecting a Matrix sequel. And you're kind of getting it, but you're not really. Mm. And like Lana Wachowski, in some ways, she's doing her own thing. But in some ways, she's also like, you know... Telling doing her, under duress. Because if yeah. she didn't do it, they were going to do a movie without her. Yeah. And so there were certain... So there were all of these things about it that, to me, made it really fascinating. Which is what I've always loved about the Matrix series anyway. Mm. Because, let's face it, not everything in the Matrix series works. No. There's a lot about Reloaded and Revolutions that are problematic. Uh-huh. But... The fucking balls that these people have to be like, you know what? Uh, we're going to do a sequel to the most fucking influential science fiction film in recent memory. And we're going to deconstruct everything that you guys love about it. <laughs> like, on some level, you have to respect that. Yeah, I don't know, totally. Know? Getting back to the question. So, like, for me, the, I don't really know, like, what was just... Because after Matrix Resurrections, the next film that popped into my head was Pig. Which mm. I still haven't fucking seen, by the way. Neither have I, actually. You know, uh, because I... Have you seen Top Gun Maverick? No. You should probably see that in the cinema. In, in hindsight, that will probably no, be the one. But she's talking about movies that were released online. Yeah. That you wished got a theatrical release. Mm. So, like, what, what, what's... See, I went to the cinema a lot during the pandemic. Like, after, after things closed, mm -hmm. like, I did see Tenet in the cinema. That was one of the first yeah. ones we reopened yeah. with. Yeah. Another film that uh, I was convinced would only get an on online release, but it got a limited cinema release, was uh, Bill and Ted 3. Mm. And I went to see that. In the cinema. Did you? Yeah. Oh, did I? I did. I think I must have. What were the big things that came to... I'm thinking about the HBOs. I mean, the, again... I, I, but a lot of my movie going in general during the pandemic just went straight down the tubes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't fucking see anything. Mm. Um, if I was watching anything, it was old stuff. I was watching a bunch of anime or I was watching, like, old TV series or new TV series. Because they were holding back on a lot of stuff. Yeah, so yeah. That was I, the other I, thing. I wasn't really watching... I wasn't really watching a lot of films. Like, uh, did did Wonder Woman '84 get get a cinema release? Yeah, I had to go. We had to go to a GSC in a shitty mall out on the way to Putrajaya or something like that. Right. So they weren't under lockdown, but the cinemas here were. So you had to go out there to watch it. So it was like the dodgiest, crappiest <laughs> screening you've right, gone to, right, right. and the movie wasn't great. So like even that, I've seen that. It wasn't. Oh, I mean, it probably would have been um, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yes. We forgot oh! about that. Earlier. Yes. <laughs> I would have sat. I would have. 
I would have sat in. That would have been a good sit. Fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I, and I love that movie. <laughs> Why didn't I think about that? That's what it was. That was the one so, where. So that is the answer. Took us a while to get there. Yeah, but it's all about the process. Yeah, I've weirdly blanked out an awful lot of what the pen, not on purpose or anything like that. I'm just like, oh wait, yeah, no, we did blur. do this. Yeah, yeah, it's a blur. No, it's a blur. It's it's two and a half years of a fucking blur. We were drinking a lot. We were <laughs> online. Too much. Too much. Yeah. Um. So that is the answer. Yeah. That is the answer. I would have sat through all four hours of that motherfucking shit as someone who walked out of Batman vs Superman and just like screamed, "What the fuck!" at the Martha shit when eventually hit me what was yeah. going on there Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that that was like oh this is this makes more sense now and it's cooler and there's more explanation there's more material and oh god oh god the Snyder fans were right well I mean I don't know about being right look that's the answer Zack Snyder's Justice League <laughs> <laughs> Trina Tan said which did you like better Farrell and Gleason and In Bruges or Banshees of Inisherin so you haven't seen this yet have yeah, you yeah so this is yours to answer I think In Bruges is a more lighthearted story there's a, a friend of mine on, who's been complaining about it online about it being you know unabashed Paddy Wackery and shy there's an article about how is it Liam McDonough or is it Neil McDonough I can't remember I can't remember which McDonough is which the writer who did plays he's done plays in this kind of same setup mm-hmm. Mark, Martin Martin McDonough okay. yeah, yeah, yeah he's a brother yeah Neil Neil, Neil McDonough is the guy with the white hair yes <laughs> he's great in everything he's in yeah and he loves Christ yeah <laughs> Does he love Christ? Yes. Oh, okay. Why does he play so many DC villains? Anyway, <laughs> he's in so many superhero movies, it's ridiculous. He's got to put something in the collection bowl. Yeah. Hey! Hey! But this article is about how he's been kind of... He's not actually Irish. He's, he grew up in England. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's an element of it's a dark fable, and it does get quite dark at times. So, I mean, even though In Bruges has that darkness to it as well, the reason why they're in In Bruges is incredibly dark. But I do think that there's more fun and joy in the per, in the in the role in uh, in Bruges than there is in in Banshees, but there's still some fucking great moments of just Brendan Gleeson in a confession box. Mm. Just giving shit to the priest. No, I mean like everything that I've seen that Mar- Martin McDonough has done abrupt. Mm. Any time that Did you watch Seven Psychopaths? Yes. Oh, huh. yeah. That was a weird one. That was a weird one. Still enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Look, I mean Colin Farrell has very 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 quietly but without trying to hide it at all sort of evolved into this incredible fucking actor. He was the bomb in Daredevil, <laughs> motherfucker. No but, no, but no, but he was... When he was in Daredevil, he was larger than life off-screen as yeah. well. And uh, you should check out the, the Hollywood uh, Reporter Roundtable with the actors mm. that has Colin Farrell... The, the, I have a screen grab where he says, like, I needed... When Alexander came out, it was like, yes, I did need a photo of my arse. Yeah. Because some points you just need to fuck up your arse. Yeah, and like at the beginning of his career, I mean, and you can't blame him. I mean, he was shot out of a fucking cannon. Yeah. And then I think once that whole thing died down and he realized, you know what? I need to fucking just be a good actor. And then he was in um, The Minority Report. Yeah. That role, I think, was a changing point for him because he was like, he was the cop in that? No, no, no. Like Minority Report was uh, before fucking, what is that? Alexander? Yes, it was before Alexander. But, But in Minority Report... He wasn't just the pretty boy. He was doing a role. He was doing a good supporting yeah. role. Have you seen After Yang yet? Not yet. I want to watch that. Yeah. No, I mean, so many no, Colin Farrell it. has always been a good actor. The yeah. only problem is, is that for the first half of his career, you know, his lifestyle uh, off camera mm. was just larger than life. And so that became... Ah, oh, come on now. He's just a bit of a lad now. Come on, no, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that the way that it is, is that people will just associate you with your tabloid life. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the reason why fucking Ben Affleck and J-Lo didn't work the first time around. Mm. You couldn't sell the fucking movie. You can sell magazines. You can't sell the movie. Yeah. And 
after Alexander, and to be fair, Alexander was shit. <laughs> <laughs> that movie, like, you know, like, the way Trina was angry at me for, for taking her to see Mother? Yeah. Like, I was angry. <laughs> I was angry when I, when I went to see Alexander. I'm like, what is this bullshit? <laughs> was it Trina said, what is this bullshit? And Davina said, I could have gone shopping. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, like... <laughs> with uh, just backtracking to fucking tales of Japanese bacop, like with the screaming kid, yeah. like Trina walked in while I was watching it, and she's like, "I hate anime. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hate anime. It's so grating. It's like, how can you watch this? It's like, to be fair, I love anime, and this is grating to me. Okay. Yeah. She's like, it's okay, a, this is grating, but if yeah. you try JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, I hate anime. Have you tried JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? No. I think some of it's on Netflix. I watched some of it when I was writing about a spin-off, and it was kind of amazing. Oh no 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 yeah yeah no I'm, I I know about that one. Yeah. It's like it's got that crazy bizarre color palette. Yeah. Yeah. It's currently Shut up. <laughs> so yeah, that was our, that was our questions. If you want to question us, uh, you can leave a question on our social medias at McGep and Fries on Instagram. Um, the other one, Twitter, the hell side. <laughs> Have you seen all the ways Twitter's been breaking? Yeah, I got yeah, like yeah, double yeah. notifications. Like it's glitching like fucking, fucking crazy. Ridiculous. Videos were all over the fucking shop last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck me. Elon Musk, stable genius, my ass. So yeah, speaking of um, massive holes, we should talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. I saw this. I was there, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our friends over at Goggler, where I used to work, they put on a screening of this and I was like, cool. You, that is an, I thought it's usually the normal screenings that they would have where there's like 16 desks one for each outlet and they all have their own ticket competitions they've given away so the general magazines and websites are all there and it was only Bahir at the one desk mm-hmm. oh it's not a big thing he's like no no and then the, the company's not promoting it he's like no no so there's not much promotion for mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. at all and mm-hmm. it was just like it's unusual for a you know, movie with a Malaysian star and mm-hmm. things be mm-hmm. getting good buzz and I got to see it cold and that was quite the experience and I brought Davina and she wasn't quite so experienced so I'm wondering how you felt about it Having seen it now after a lot of hype and everything. And you watch it on HBO now, right? Because it's on HBO now? Yeah, yeah. So I saw it on HBO. Um, it's it's interesting in the sense that uh, a lot has been said about it. Mm. And there has been a ton of hype about it. It's very, very clear that a lot of people love this film. Mm. Uh, but it's clear from the trailer. Like I'd seen the trailer. And it's very... The, the visual language of the film is very front and center in the trailer. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't too much of a surprise. I think if that was a, a surprise, it would have been pretty pretty nuts. But the interesting thing is that I have avoided like this film for so long that it's gone beyond the hype. And now, I don't know if you've noticed this, there's actually a little bit of backlash. Yeah, there has been a backlash. Yeah, where it's like, what's so fucking good about the fucking movie? And what's yeah. everybody like? Um, so, <laughs> honestly, like... I've been excited. I've been wanting to watch this movie for a number of reasons, like the Daniels directing it, Michelle Yeoh getting the international sort of like props that she deserves. Say his name. Uh, but for me, Say it. <laughs> Ki Hui Kwan, yeah. I think for people of our generation, to see this guy come back is special. It's special in a way that it's hard to put into words. I never realized he was the Asian kid in Encino, Encino Man. Man. Yeah, yeah, I did. I didn't. I did. I realized that recently when they I did. did the round table with them. I, and I was did. like, oh shit. And you know why? You know why? I know, I know why I always know. Because, and this is another thing that's special about this film that I think is unique, is that I never forgot that Kihei Kwan was in Encino Man. The same reason I never forgot that he was uh, a stunt coordinator on X-Men and that he moved to Hong Kong and worked with Wong Kar Wai and all that, is because as an Asian kid, I know I'm mixed, but as an Asian kid, 
watching another Asian kid do uh, the thing you want to do. Do the thing you want to do. You latch onto that. Yeah, yeah. You latch onto that. And for people of our generation, whether we're Asian, I mean, especially we're Asian, but even if we're not Asian, his his the his roles. It's not so much the performance thing, but his roles in Temple of Doom and Goonies are iconic roles. Yeah. Um, He's not the Asian one in the Goonies. Yeah. That's not the role. No. Like and and in the eighties, that's saying something. Yeah. This was before diversity. This was before Asian American representation. His character is a crucial character in that group of people. Yeah. He bails their ass out and saves their lives more than once. And it's not like, oh, can your Asianness help us? No. No. It's got nothing to do with that. He doesn't save the day with a fucking chopstick in the right place. Yeah. He's got gadgets because he's fucking cool. It's not because he's... This is even before the fucking favorite minority is it or something like that. Where it's like, mm. oh, Asians are not... They're considered like an okay minority because they behave themselves or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, or yeah, they, yeah. they overachieve or something like that. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, yeah. Like, There's yeah, a phrase yeah, for yeah, it, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and, but and, it's and, not and, that. He's and, not... He's not, He's into stuff because they're kids. It's not yeah. that he's like the nerd. Yeah. I mean, and he kind of fell prey to that in Encino Man where he was president of like the chess club mm. or something. But you could kind of see that that's where Hollywood was going. And he's like, you know, if you see the Hollywood Reporter Roundtable, he's like, you know what? I gave up my dream. I gave up on my dream. The phone wasn't ringing. I went, I went to film school and um, I started over yeah. and he went to Hong Kong. Like for me, the memory of like, like the, the, the memory of the, the childhood version of me seeing this guy kind of get his dream back mm. is insane is insane and I think on some subliminal level I think I wasn't ready to watch it <laughs> I think I wasn't ready to watch it because I watched it very recently and my reaction to it was so emotional that I think if I had watched it in the cinema when it came out I think it would have broken me yeah I think it would have broken me like kind of similar to like you know monster calls for you yeah you know I, I think it would have fucked me up because I was really emotional watching this film and not just when, just just where the emotional beats hit or was it when the first fight breaks out with Kehik one like like that like that started it and also like it's I don't think this could have worked with any other race the mm-hmm. I think the fact that it's a that it's an immigrant Chinese family is a huge deal Irish mammies don't know kung fu it's a different. <laughs> it's, they got their own problems. Yeah. Not, not trying to like take anything away, but this film couldn't have worked with any other race, I don't think, mm. because all of the all of the fight stuff, especially that first, that very first Kihui Kwan. Is it when he does he eat the chapstick first to start it off or whatever? It is? He takes off the fanny pack, right? Yeah, that's what kicks it off. Yeah, like a, like a, and and then like has the umbrella over the uh, the fucking camera. But the umbrella of the camera is the first appearance. Yeah. But the first fight is when the security's going to try and get him out of the, the the. The first fight is where he uses uses the fanny pack as nunchucks. Yes. Um, and it's just it's so, it's so eighties Hong Kong. It's hmm. so nineteen eighties and so nineteen nineties Hong Kong. And a lot of the action sequences are very very retro. Um, oh, okay. Very retro Hong Kong action inspired. Hmm. And that's something only people in the know will know. Like, for, I mean, it doesn't take away enjoyment for people who don't know it. No, it's it doesn't. Still, it's still an, a crazy visual film. But for people who grew up watching Michelle Yeoh Hong Kong action films and who grew up watching, like, Jackie Chan and grew up watching fucking... Watching Police Story and watching Drunken Master and watching all, all of these, like, seminal Hong Kong action cinema. When Ki Hui Kwan does the, uh, the fanny pack nunchucks action sequence... Yeah. Like it's 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 a slap across the face. Like it's it's insane. And I mean, and, and this is a, an insane moment in a film that is full of 
insane visual moments. And that's what I wanted to get to. So when you watched it, you knew about the dimension stuff and everything, the universe stuff, right? Because mm-hmm. I think when I went in, I had the first trailer only to go on. And I just yeah. knew it was visually interesting. Yeah. So this is one of my favorite things that happened. It happened a little bit with Tenet. Uh, not, not so and much. Maybe a little bit. I was trying to think back of these movies where this happens. I think maybe a little bit with Interstellar or something like that. Where I watch a movie, I know very little about it, and then I think I'm going to like it. But then as it goes on, I realize that, oh my God, this is my jam. Yeah. And, you know, cross-dimensional storytelling, <laughs> Hong Kong action stuff, multiple versions of people, pulling in all these different things, every choice reflecting across everything. Once all that stuff starts happening, I was just, I was happy as a pig in shit. It's oh, yeah. like, I have no idea. Wh- oh, Nope was one as well. For a different reason. Nope is one where it's like, I've no idea where this is going, but what I've seen so far is it's ticking, it's starting to tick those boxes to lead up to, I'm going to love this. Yeah. Because of the things it's trying, it's talking about or things it's doing. Yeah. That was, that was the other one, Nope. Yeah. Um, so for this, when that started happening, and then that he broke out that fight scene and Jamie Lee Curtis jumps down the stairs and tries to get yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is just... Exceptional. No, it, no, it's all incredible stuff. Like visually, it is. It's, it's incredible stuff, and and the the visual aspect of it. I mean, I love the scope of it, but what I really loved was I'm a huge fan of absurdist humor, mm. and so butt plugs. You know, so like the whole butt pluck section, and uh, you know, you know, like, you know, Anwar is going to have to watch it at some point because hmm? he's been talking about like congratulations to Michelle Yeoh, I'm going to watch the movie soon. And I was mm. like, what is he going to think when it gets to the butt plug section? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's going <laughs> to have his own thoughts, but you know, it's like the whole thing towards the third act where you kind of like reverse things on people and and so the, and the whole that whole SNM section you know just these it's these little moments but like for me as an asian person you've you've had these conversations with your parents mm. you know not the exact same com- conversation but some version of it yeah so it it hits me a little bit differently mm. uh, and that's something that i did notice amongst like a couple of my friends on twitter when it first came out they weren't talking about the visuals. They were talking about these little quiet moments. And I think what's so cool about this film is that it manages to achieve being a really intimate film about family and about the choices you make. But sort of packaging that in this insane fucking visual feast mm. um, that makes it makes you think you've just seen some crazy martial arts interdimensional in multidimensional adventure, which you have. But what you've really seen is a family trying to connect. Well, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. So that's that's when I say when this is my jam is when it comes out. And you, when you see Nope, you'll get the same idea. Mm-hmm. It is using all these crazy tropes. Because I'm trying to think, what is a, another interdimensional action movie? I'm trying to think of one. Like... You, I mean, like the other, the other fucking movie that was playing with multiple dimensions was fucking Doctor Strange. Yeah. And, and, and that... Cannot you know, like compete? Yeah, and there's a reason why. It's because it's in the, in that it's not in this, about anything. Yes, in this case, it is about the family stuff. It's a bit like yeah. Fast and Furious. It's about family, but also yeah. it's used to build the story. It's yeah. not an additional thing. It's yeah. not a separate thing. It's not a framing device, or it's not something to get bums on seats. Yeah. It is an integral part of the story, and that's what I love about it. What I yeah. love about the, when these kind of movies comes along is they're taking crazy ideas we see from comics or weird ass mm-hmm. novels, mm-hmm. and then making it into a story that you're like feeling it yeah and and also i mean we're talking a lot about keiho kwan now when i was just thinking about thinking back on the movie because it has been a while since i've seen it but michelle yo is getting all the plaudits because and yeah. she deserves it oh absolutely it's an incredible and so, performance and so much of it is just like i'm busy to, what did she say to her i cannot be doing this i'm busy i'm too busy to deal with multiple mm. universes or yeah, like yeah 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 but that oh, level just when she goes up to a daughter like you think she's gonna say something and she's like it's like you're very fat oh in the car yeah in the car and it's like 
I've, and, and I've they've heard already, that. They've, I've already heard that. they've already lampshaded it because Stephanie Seuss, who says she doesn't, she says that earlier, right? She says that she doesn't, mm. know how to, she'll just say something about way because she doesn't know how to share her emotions. Yeah. Um, and that is generational storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. That so, happens. Uh, people don't know how to uh, express themselves, so they fall back on tropes. I've seen that happen for people as well over here. Yeah. Um, but it says something about the film that all of my favorite moments are the quiet moments. Mm-hmm. You know, like I love the action sequences. I love the visuals. They're fucking amazing. But the best moments for me are, you know, like I, I love the, uh, the the moments with uh, Michelle Yeoh and Kihui Kwan where... In the back alley? In the back alley after the premiere. The, the Wong Kar Wai universe? The, the Wong Kar Wai universe. Like to me, like that's fucking awesome. That's that, that's up there, I think, with the, the one with about like what is what is grief but love persevering. It's, yeah. just, it's up there with like... No, no, I would, I mean, I, in another no, no, universe... In, in, I, in, like in another life, I, I would have liked... That's like what I'm saying. Taxes. It's up there. Yeah, yeah. So no, it's, it's, it's an iconic line. Yeah, such an iconic line. Um, and he looks badass as hell. He looks really cool. <laughs> He's like, I'm like, I need to get a suit and go hang out in some back alleys. It looks cool as shit. You know, but just like the moment uh, in, in in the sausage in the sausage finger land with between Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yeoh, those quiet moments they have, like, yeah. you know, like, also with Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis, where she's like, you know, like they're smoking pot outside the fucking. Uh, lo- Laundromat after after all. at the cops are there yeah, they, 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 the cops are there. Like, I don't I don't, I don't want to come like from little, like little little moments like that or when Michelle Yeoh finally like talks to to her daughter it's just all the, like all of the things that that stand out to me are those emotional moments yeah are those like private small intimate moments even without elucidating it uh, Evelyn is like it's rejection of nihilism the everything yeah. the everything bagel everything bagel I made a bagel with everything on it and now it's just like everything yeah. can be sucked into it no but I love that ultimately that's what it's about yeah and Kihui Kwan's like monologue about that is genuinely genuinely affecting what does he say it's about but being kind being kind you know and I love that all of these fucking people are nominated yes like I love that Stephanie Sue is nominated she's fucking awesome she has the best costumes the shit where she first catches up with her mm-hmm. in the hallway and she yeah. fucks with the cops yeah. with the guards yeah, is yeah, so, yeah. she just like turns one guy the bubbles and yeah, shit yeah, yeah. so cool right, it's a, it's a, it's a like, genuine threat it is. It is. She's like, like she's genuinely scary. James Hong, also amazing. James Hong, yeah. Uh, well, Mr. Burton. Mm. <laughs> this is another thing it does great. It jumps tracks at that point, right? Because you instantly mm. think it's like going to be the Avengers. Yeah. She's going to pull together a team and fight her daughter or get some alternate versions of her. No, she's going to try and make up with her daughter. It's not going to be a fight. Yeah. It's more like no. I, I mean, like, I, 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 I never thought it was going to go into an Avengers thing. Well, not Avengers, but yeah, I mean, yeah. like, it's not going to be a physical conflict. But the whole thing where it's like, like she ties her daughter up at yeah, that point yeah, and yeah, talks yeah. to her. Yeah. It's not like everyone's telling her to kill her. Yeah. And she's like, no, no, no. What are you talking about? Yeah. And that is like a nice switch from what you. Ex- yeah. I, I was happy to see that happen. I was also happy and surprised to know that this is Jamie Lee Curtis's first Oscar nomination. <laughs> wow, fuck. Like I, that was. I was genuinely shocked. I yeah. thought that she would have at least gotten one before. Who's the Indian girl in the video? to think of Sunita Mani ah that's it she is in she in a Star War she's been in some other stuff recently though. she like, been in a Star War yeah oh she's in Glow <laughs> that's it she was in Glow right yeah. I did feel though the second time around watching it the con- the final confrontation on the staircase did go a little long no I was I was cool with it I mean I, I watched it on HBO so at the hour and a half point I did pause it <laughs> I did pause it for like about 10 minutes but you know, it, I don't. It's different if you're watching something in a cinema. I mm. think if I also the cinema version, I'm not sure. I haven't seen what's cut yet. I think there's something with the rocks was cut. Mm. Um, I the think rocks was fucking beautiful. I, I started crying when I in, in the rocks bit. There's an like, element like of, I cried at three points in this. Is film. there an element <laughs> of like letting her go at that point that, that I think wasn't might have been cut out of here or something? Like there's something, there's something that they cut something around that scene. I think there's another element to this is the DIY scale of it. Mm-hmm. Some of the animators doing like there was only what was it seven animators and 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 none of them had any special effects training. Yeah, like they all learned how to do this shit to make this movie and it's beautiful yeah 
I remember watching this film as someone involved in film, mm. thinking, I need to delete everything I'm working on. <laughs> yes, it's... I need to delete everything I'm working on because this has just fucking blown the doors open of, of what's possible. Because everything that I'm working on right now, I'm like, I watch something like this and I'm like, well, I wouldn't watch what I'm writing right now. You know, <laughs> so it's 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 just it's one of those films. It's not you know it's not it's not one of those movies that you can really talk about intelligently. It's it's such a it's emotional. It's it's emotional. It's such a vibe. It's it's a ride. You yeah. know, like you're on this ride, and you know you don't necessarily understand everything that's happening, mm. but at the same time you understand everything that's happening. Yeah, you know, it's one of those weird, unique, all the stars are aligned kind of fucking movies, and and everybody involved seems to know it. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's like the Daniels wanting to get Kei Kwan, wanting to get Michelle Yeoh. It's impossible now to think about anyone else. Seeing Jamie Lee Curtis just as this frumpy mom lady. Yeah. And just then seeing her on the attack. And she based that look off of like some DMV worker. She really? saw like saw something like that. And it's like Ki Hui Kwan, after Crazy Rich Asians came out, he's like, maybe there's roles for Asians. Yeah. I'll think I'll give this a try. And like two weeks later, got this. Yeah. It's so it's like genuinely, this is one of those stars are aligned kind of bullshit fucking fucking movies. Like once in a lifetime, lightning in a bottle kind of films. Yeah. Like you're, we're not going to see another one of these again. And these actors, these, these people are like, I actually feel bad for the Daniels <laughs> because I would hate to follow this up. Yeah. What do you do next? <laughs> like, like I would fucking hate to follow this up. I, I like that. That's one thing I feel bad about all these fucking people. Like, yeah, yeah. How do you follow this shit up? And I hope Michelle Yeoh is going to do the Section Thirty One Star Trek show. That's going to be su- suck ass. Like, like <laughs> I hope Michelle Yeoh wins for this. Like I like she's got she's got stiff competition with Kate Blanchett. I haven't seen Tar. I haven't seen Tar either. But everything I hear about it, like she's pretty fucking amazing. But she, this is her time, man. The, the fucking Academy loves to give people shit when they're due. Like she didn't get anything for Crouching Tiger back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So well, she wasn't nominated. That's what I'm saying. Like, this, this, is like her, this is her first nomination. This yeah. is the first time an Asian has been nominated for Best Actress yeah. in fucking decades. Yeah. Like I think the only two locks are Ki Hui Kwan and Angela Bassett. You think so? Yeah, yeah. Ki Hui Kwan and, and Angela Bassett. They're a fucking lock. You saw Wakanda Forever? No, but I've been keeping track of mm. uh, the awards. These two are constantly fucking winning because Stephanie Sue didn't get a nomination for an awful lot of things so it was a, a lot of things she didn't get nominated for but then she got nominated in, in the Oscars right yeah but she like she won like fucking I don't know what it was LA Critics or, or something I don't know something. there's yeah, too yeah. many I have to shut a yeah, yeah, yeah. Too, yeah, so. but like I hope it sweeps it to be honest with you yeah. I, like I hope it fucking sweeps it uh, because it's not the kind of movie that you see no it's at, it's on, it's completely on, out of out of yeah, step with anything it's, it's not the kind of movie that you see anyway but it's really not the kind of movie that you expect to see it being a front runner at award season yeah that's the weird thing i was like i thought it would be yeah. snubbed yeah so i'm also weird. I'm surprised about banshees but that's also weird yeah so no i, I fucking love this movie and uh it's 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 a, an incredible fucking film i was terrified you were gonna hate it because <laughs> of the hype i was gonna write a note that says gavin i wrote down what i thought you were gonna say about this movie and says gavin hates it <laughs> i I was scared I, I might hate it, yeah. but, but from the moment it started, like it was like a warm blanket. Yeah. And I think part of that is because, you know, aside from the fact that it is a great film, is that its roots are in the kind of films I grew up watching as a kid. Mm. You know, going to like the old sort of PJ Ruby and PJ that only showed Cantonese Hong Kong films. Like its roots are in those movies. Mm. But I mean, as someone who's lived here, but not 
from here and it's set in the US but even just seeing the messy dressers and the life around that mm-hmm. the, the doing the books yeah. that kind of stuff yeah. is like the, it's, it, it is universal it's, it starts with that mirror right I forget every yeah, time yeah, I watch yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. them doing karaoke happily and reflecting the mirror and yeah. then switching with the later yeah no it is it is a universal film but I think for people of Asian descent it does that's hit, it does hit a bit different that's when I used to write about things that was what it was uh, that was my book bear for not my book bear for a long time but the more you genericize things and dumb them down the more you lose them the more specific you are mm-hmm. so many of those specifics can travel in different ways like you see something it doesn't if, if, if you see something it might not be completely specific to your experience but it's uh, it's enough for you to r- relate it's parallel it back to, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. so when people try to say oh we gotta it's gotta be a white guy or it's gotta be this shit or whatever like that it's like no you're not getting it the point is if it's this very specific family doing this very specific thing people will see reflections in their own lives yeah that's always like a family doing taxes is a family doing yes. taxes yeah my mum used to do the fucking company books, the same kind of shit at the kitchen. I mean, it was a bit tighter because mum was a pain freak, but kitchen table, mm-hmm. books, papers, everything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a laundry downstairs, thank God. But yeah, great movie. That's our Oscar thing, so yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, our Oscar yeah. show. So yeah, we'll see you again in 2027. If you like the show, if you made it this far, uh, let us know. Uh, let us know you would, what you'd like to say, us to take on next, whether it's an old movie or a new movie. I think it'd be interesting to talk about the, uh, the Bind Shoes of Any Sharon, and I really would like to hear what you think about it. Nope. But also Top Gun Maverick, because that was what I'm glad I saw in the cinema. Yeah, no, me too. Uh, that's a genuine regret. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I'll, I'll, be your, I'll be your wingman. You can be my wingman anytime. Bullshit. <laughs> you can be mine. <laughs> This has been the McGeppin' Fry's Movie Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye.